it's Rhonda Shortino. Thank you so much for joining me for Live, Love, Survive, and Thrive. I know there's lots of other stuff that you could be listening to, but this podcast is for you. It's to help you live an amazing life, the life that you were born to live. It's to help you love, to put your love into action, because that will change your life and the lives of everyone within your influence. It's to help you survive the tough times and to help you mine the lessons out of everything you go through, especially the most painful stuff that you go through, and to use those exact things to thrive. I have a free gift for you. For a limited time, as long as supplies last, I want to send you a copy of my book, Succeed Because of What You've Been Through. I'm going to also send you the accompanying workbook for free. Free shipping and everything. All you have to do is go to my website, Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A dot O-R-G. Go to the shop button at the top and find the Succeed Because book and workbook set. It's normally $19.95, but with the coupon code COVID, C-O-V-I-D, I will send it to you for free. I hope you take advantage of this offer. I wrote this book to help people mine the lessons out of what they've been through and use those lessons to create personal and professional success. I wanna do that for you. crisis hits, if you're not careful, you get so far out of your routine that it feels like you have no control. And so what we really advise people to do is establish a new sense of routine. So get up at a reasonable hour. Don't be laying around in bed, you know, moping around. Um, unless you just need your rest. If you need your rest, okay, get your rest, but get up at a reasonable hour, have your coffee or your breakfast, do your grooming, even when our hair doesn't look uh, excellent. (laughs) But if you're a guy shaved, if you're a young lady, fix your hair, do whatever you typically would do if everything was okay. And then set some goals for the day, carry on with those goals, get a few things accomplished, and uh, according to your new routine. And just the fact that you are establishing the way that you wanna go through your day, uh, a sense of control can come back to you uh, during this crazy time. Oh, that's really good. I, I just wrote that down. Do what you would do if everything was okay is that creates a sense of normalcy. Even when the whole world is not quote-unquote normal, we can, we can bring the normalcy, create the normalcy, especially for the children in our lives, I think. Um, and anybody who's not handling all this very well, to, uh, to, to create that, that sense of normalcy, I think, is huge. Thank you. So what, sure. what else? Oh, you, you might want to mention your, your mom. Um, well, my mom is, is 94 years old, mm. and she's been in assisted living since 2012. Um, and she's in, a, she's in a good place. It's about 20-minute drive from here. But they've established um, the same thing that I think we hear on the news, where there are absolutely no visitors Um, and apparently a few people were coming over and having their loved one go out in the parking lot. So we got a really strong letter that said, no, you will not do that. And so, um, if we want to take anything over there, uh, we have to take it to the door and then they'll take it down to your loved one's room, to my mom's room. So, um, Right now, the way I can connect with her is by phone. And so my routine it's funny because it switched. She used to call me every day. And for whatever reason, during this time, she's quit calling me. So now the new routine for me is that I call her. And I usually talk to her at least twice a day, morning and then the evening, where we you know, see how the day was going. And um, she's doing pretty well. And mentally, she does well anyway. I can tell as her daughter, 
the little things, the uh, forgetfulness in some ways. But overall, we could carry on a conversation right now with her and you would never notice that there's anything wrong. She's, you know, she's quite alert and, um, and with the program. In fact, too often she watches hours and hours of the news. And so part of my, you know, and right now it's just about one thing. It's about the, the virus. Ryan and I are starting to call it the plague. Well, I think I'll go turn on the news and hear about the plague. The plague. Unclean, unclean. <laughs> so anyway, but you know, my, my role has changed in that. And, and our routine used to be that I would take her out once a week. If it was around a doctor's appointment, fine. But otherwise, we always we all would always go out for lunch or dinner. Well, I can't do that with her now. Right. And so I can only call her, and she'll. One of the things with being ninety four, she'll say, "Where are you?" And so every day I have to remind her, "Mom, I'm home like everyone else in the world. Right. I'm home, not going anywhere." Right. So, so um, you know, I don't know if she's thinking I'm I'm going out and about and having a good old time right now without her, but my my role is to encourage her, and is to make suggestions. You know, mom, why don't you turn on a, a good movie or um, turn on the Christian station to try to kind of get her mind off of the same um, negative things that we are hearing because it's not going to help her in any way. And so I am to be her encourager. Um, one of the things I thought that I would like to do is, and I did this a week ago or so, I want to drop off flowers and let the ladies there take it down to her room because I know she loves that. And I think it just will bring some joy to her little apartment and um, knowing that she loves that. And so um, if she were into puzzles, if she were wanted to read a book, that might be a good thing. You could order it online or you might have a book in your own shelf where you could take it over something of interest to your loved one so that's a way that i can connect with her during this time and it and it's establishing a new routine with her um just by by calling and and checking in on her kathy i'm so glad that you mentioned that because um you know the the world i live in in child welfare my my mind is always around what's going on with the kids what's going on with the little ones what's going on with the teens who you know maybe they were acting out behaviors to begin with and now um you know they're completely upside down and i just honestly i i hadn't thought about what so many people are going through with their parents and uh, so I'm so glad that you brought that up. I think for, for all of us, no matter who we're talking about, um, for us to have to assume the role of encourager. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that really goes with what you were saying, Brian, about you know, creating a new normal, a sense of normalcy. You know, if, if we just sort of adopt that, okay, I'm going to be the positive encourager in the family. Uh, I think that that's powerful. So what other thoughts do you have for, um, you know, what folks can do? Yeah, I want to touch again on this concept of control. Because in life, there are things that we can control. Yes. And things that we can't control. Indeed. And if control is too strong a word, then we'll go with influence. Things that we can influence, things that we can't influence, right? And we have to be we have to be very discerning, um, embracing the serenity prayer, if you will. We we teach it in our workshops a little different. We say, uh, in any situation in life, you have to look at it and say, can I control it or do I have to accept it? Mm. And we get in trouble if we try to control a situation that we can't really change. If, if I say, oh, I'm going to do everything I can right now to get rid of this virus from, from the face of the earth, God and God alone has that kind of power. We can pray, and that's one way to influence, but I can't control that. I can't control what uh, state or federal officials are deeming is the correct thing to do. I can't control that I may be short certain supplies, etc. So if I dwell on that issue and I try to control it, I will become frustrated, I will become angry, all right? You flip that around and you say, but what happens if I discern that I can't control those things and I simply accept it? 
Okay, those are things I can't do anything about. So I'm going to stop talking about it. I'm going to stop worrying about it. Now, all of a sudden, a sense of peace settles in. Conversely, if there's a situation that I'd like to do something about, like uh, ministering better to the children that are here at my home, taking care of Kathy's mom, um, taking care of myself, if I simply say, well, I, I wish those things would happen, but nah, I'm just going to accept that I'm not doing anything with that. Now I become frustrated with myself, mm -hmm. right? And so we're to act on those things that we can control and we're to accept those things that we can't. And, we're, and if, you, if you can rightly discern which is which, it makes your day go better, it makes your week go better, it'll make your life go better. So the solution here is for people to think about the things that uh, maybe are a little frustrating right now and simply ask themselves, is this something you can truly control? Or is it something you would be better off saying, okay, God, you've got this one. I, I can't do anything about it. You take this one. And then we can focus our energies on something we can do a little bit more about. Mm, that is really good, really powerful. Um, you gave me some great notes. And, you know, every time I talk to you, I come away with <laughs> 12 pages of notes. And I'll share some of these in the, um, in the comments section uh, of the live stream. This is so good. So what about, what about routine? Talk a little bit about, you know, a, a bit, you mentioned it, um, but, you know, how do we go about trying to create a routine when the whole world is upside down? Yeah, what we need to do, Ron, is draw a smaller circle. Um, if, we're, if we're not able to go uh, get in a car or public transit and go to an office building or a store, wherever we might work, draw a smaller circle around where you can go and what you can do, all right? For many of us right now, that's mostly at home and on your property, in your yard, wherever you are. And so you start with the basics, get up at a, at a reasonable hour, do your grooming, get dressed in real clothes. I cannot overemphasize that because you, when you start letting yourself go, there is just this sense of depression that's going to settle in and like all is lost. And that's, that's, um, that's very destructive for us. So you, you get up and you start moving and you set some goals for the day. And we all have things to do at home. Uh, there are little projects. There are closets right now that we probably should have a hazmat suit on to go into <laughs> that maybe could use some cleaning. Wait, right? wait, have you seen, have you been here? You, <laughs> shoot. I, I've heard, okay. I, I thought that was a well-kept secret, doggone it. Kathy's got a project she's working on right now. What are you doing? Well, I have wanted to paint a, a little sitting room that's off the master bedroom for probably three years. And it's got windows on each side. And so there's a lot of trim, a lot of tedious, you know, handwork to oh. do, not just roller. So, well, in addition, I wanted to paint one of our bedrooms. And that I've been wanting to do that since before Christmas. And, you know, Christmas came and went and it was still gold so i i did go out a few weeks ago bought some paint i painted that bedroom last week and i had leftover paint wow and i like the color and it was like gosh i think i'll get at the sitting room and so um when we're done today i'm actually gonna um, go back up and I'm, i started yesterday and i'm gonna start my painting so i am getting these projects done that i've wanted to do for quite a while I wanted to say something funny about, you know, you need to get dressed each day. Yesterday, I, well, every day I, I fix my hair, I put my makeup on and, you know, take my, my bath, my shower, get dressed. But I had my old paint clothes on yesterday. And I mean, they are tattered. They're from years and years. And they've got paint where I wipe my hands, you know, over the years. I got all different colors. <laughs> and it's actually been washed so many times that there's holes in it, you know, where it's worn and all that. But I decided to encourage myself. I put on my best pair of earrings. <laughs> I had these 
beautiful crystal earrings that Brian had bought me at a jewelry store. And I put those babies on and my lipstick on. And then from here on down, I had my old, old, really gross clothes on. They were clean, but they were bad. And uh, so, you know, that was part of my routine, but, but I was, I was feeling good about myself, you know? I love it. I love it. Oh my word. I think you should post that picture, a picture of you in that, those beautiful earrings in that paint outfit. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, so what about, what about trying to find ways to connect with others within the rules and all that. I, I know that it's, uh, you know, it's tough and I don't want to encourage anybody to do anything that's, uh, you know, outside of guidelines in their particular area. But, uh, but talk a little bit about, you know, how, how we can connect with people. Yeah. I, I said the first thing is um, that we have to understand is that we must connect with other people. Right, it's not an option. We were we were not. You know, God said it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, he said that pretty early on in the gig. <laughs> so we are made for other people. Um, we are made to be in relationship with other people, and some of those relationships are very formal: uh, marriage, father, son, father, daughter, parents, etc. Uh, siblings, uh, but some it's uh, it's on a friend basis, but we clearly are supposed to be connected. Now, if you think about it, you think about the deepest, darkest prison in the world, and if somebody acts up, somebody's in there for a heinous crime, and they act up, what do they do to make that individual's experience even worse? They put them in solitary confinement, right? and it literally makes it worse. And so we are created for connection and we really have to have those. And, and what I want people to understand is you, you, you all feel, we all feel the need for this thing, but at times we want to be the one that somebody connects with. And my encouragement is let's be mature professionals and let's be the ones that reach out to others. And it starts in the home. Um, it starts with the, the little kids and the spouse and the people that are there around us, our teens, et cetera. Those same people that needed our connection before needed even more now. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. Um, and, and I, I wanted, I just wanted to add to that what went through my head when you said that, because I'm, I'm just, I'm a natural introvert. And um, because of my weird, crazy childhood, I just always have this weird sense that if I pick up the phone and call somebody that I'm interrupting them and I'm interfering and I, and I you know, I'm bothering somebody if I reach out. And um, what I know this, these are not the exact words that you said, but Brian, this always happens. From the time something leaves your mouth and it goes through the air and then it gets in my ear. I've had this whole revelation of all kinds of different things. And, and so what happened just then was I thought, I'll make, I could make this part of my routine. I can make this sort of my work right now. And it changes my mindset because I can do whatever I have to do when I feel like it's service to others or it's my work, it's what I was created to do, I'm supposed to do it. So so when you said we were created for connection, uh, I, it, it, I guess something clicked, the light went on in my head that you know I can make a list of people that I haven't reached out to forever because I'm always running at a, you know, 10 miles a minute and uh, and just go right down the list and make it you know, make it part of the routine. So thank you. Absolutely. I had, um, I had said something last week. I, I was thinking if the two of us weren't together and I was alone, how much harder it would be being, feeling isolated. And, and I, I am on the go normally. I don't have a, a, a job, so to speak, where I have to be somewhere nine to five Monday through Fridays, but I'm often in town doing errands. I work part-time at our office here. 
I do take care of my mom. And then every other week I pick up our grandkids from school. And um, so I have them for a couple hours, Monday through Friday. So I'm, I'm busy and on the go. And I, I really have done pretty well staying home. Um, this is, I think, my 12th day that I have not been in public. We've had to go out through a drive-through. But I was saying to him how hard it might be for some people who live alone. Right. And, and so it was on my mind, not only my mom's situation where I can call her, but what friends do I have um, that live alone, that are isolated, so to speak, other than a telephone or FaceTime? And those are the ones that I would want to make at the top of my list, just to reach out, um, even if it's a five-minute phone call and just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. You know, if they're, if they're stressing, can I pray with you? Um, give them an encouraging word and just, just the idea that it's going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. Oh, that's really and, good. Um, yeah, you know, and you can kind of pick up on, even on the phone if somebody needs more than that. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be a, a lengthy phone call, but you can kind of get a feel for where they're at. And if they are fearful, if they're struggling, if they're discouraged, um, then, then those are the ones that we just need to keep reaching out to every few days. I just got a call from my cousin this morning and I had called her. She lives alone about an hour away from here. And I had called her just to see how she was doing, uh, three, four days ago. And she called me this morning to find out how I was doing. And we don't typically do that. Now we'll, we'll get together every few weeks and we'll drive down to the Detroit area. We're here in Michigan. So we'll drive and have a day of shopping and we'll talk all the way there and all the way back. And that's our routine. But now it has to be phone calls and just checking in on each other. And, and um, um, so I, I think that's a really important thing right now that we, that we do reach out. Mm -hmm. One of the things, Rhonda, that, that strikes me is when we have those connections, when we make the connections, the last thing that we need to be doing is talking about the crisis, plague. the plague, the right? plague. <laughs> and what I've been doing lately is um, I write, I write some letters and uh, Facebook posts and so on that are all intended to get people thinking about the future. And I've encouraged them to do a couple of things. Um, and, and one is make a list of things that you wish you had or did right now. Uh, because when all this mess is over and done with, it'll be kind of like flashlight batteries. You won't think about them until the next time you need a flashlight, right? <laughs> right, right. So, um, so let's think about those things. But then beyond that, what do you, what do you, what are some really neat things that you can be doing right now? What should we be planning for? One of the things I've encouraged people is um, in this time. It's the natural beauty that I think we really begin to soak into our, into our being. And so I've encouraged people to um, buy a little kit, have it delivered, and build a birdhouse. Build a hummingbird feeder. Uh, get ready to plant a little patch of uh, garden in your backyard. Or just get some big pots and plant some tomato plants in there. And these are things we can get ready for right now that will create, again, a sense of purpose and a sense of the God's great beauty that he's created and a sense of control because, you know, you build a birdhouse, a feeder, plant a plant, and all of a sudden you're creating some of your own, um, you're, you're allowing God's reality to become your reality. So when we connect with people, it's not to go, oh, I wish I had more Charmin or whatever. No, <laughs> we, we, we all, there's, you know, there's challenges with this thing, but, but let's be those that lift people and move them mentally into envisioning what the future is going to be and some of the things that they can be doing right now as they begin to plan for something better. I love that. I think this is such a tremendous opportunity right now uh, for people who are home. I always want to stop and and uh, and acknowledge. I know Kathy that that you um, used to be a nurse. I mean, I think once a nurse, always a nurse. Uh, but I think about the I, 
people in medicine, first responders, there are people who are working like crazy people right now and, and God bless them for doing that. But, I, but for the people who are home, um, I, I see this as a golden, maybe once in a lifetime opportunity to, to hit the reset button. Exactly. Reset on everything, on, on, um, on the way they're living their lives. Um, I always think about, you know, the people who get up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning and get in the car. You know, I'm from Southern California, so I don't know how much of this you have in Midland, Michigan, but, but I, I always think about the people who drive to Los Angeles you know, and it's an hour to sometimes hour and a half drive to go 30 miles. Um, and then they're there all day and an hour and a half drive to come home. So they're gone all day, every weekday. And, you know, if they have kids, the kids are really not even seeing them. But maybe, you know, a half hour or an hour before it's time to, you know, take their shower and go to bed or whatever. And and, and I think it, it just always grieves my heart when I see those cars on the freeway, bumper to bumper, every day for years. And, and I think, man, they're on a hamster wheel, you know? And, and when I had my, um, I mean, for many, many years, all the years that I was raising my daughter, I owned a company. I was working 60 to 80 hours a week. I wasn't driving, uh, you know, on the freeway, but... But I was living that life. I was on the hamster wheel. And I think, what a great opportunity to stop the hamster wheel for a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so the, the wheel has been stopped for us. So we have, I think we have this great opportunity. So I would love to, to hear you guys talk about, you know, recreating our lives and redefining our purposes maybe finding our purpose for the very first time and and how we can you know maybe your advice for how people can use this time to just say you know what I'm not going back to life the way it used to be because I can tell you that when I, I, it was the only life I'd ever known. That's the life I created for myself. I knew how to work. I really didn't know how to do personal relationships. So I was a workaholic, which as you know, is you know the last acceptable-aholic in our culture because everybody says, oh, look at her. She's got work ethic. Oh, bless her heart. She works so hard. And so you know it, it's that affirmation and all of that stuff. And when I sold my company, and I didn't live in the hamster wheel anymore. And that's all I had done my whole adult life. You know, at first I thought I would, you know, what have I done? I'm going to probably drop dead of boredom. But then I didn't. Like I continued to breathe, you know. And now I have this different life and it's amazing and I love it. So I, I, wanna, I want you to share your thoughts about how can people hit that reset button and create a whole new life for themselves. Yeah, this is this deals with uh, priorities, doesn't it? It deals with priorities because there is a there is an automatic routine that people get into, and there is a series of next steps to that routine. And those of us that are in business, you know, we've had our own company for a long time and our own ministry, and we do books and all this other stuff. Well, there's always something else to do. And once, once you get pretty good at anything, other people will start pulling from you and suggesting, come and do this and do this and do this and do this. So, so which is wonderful. Um, we are to use our gifts and talents. We, uh, the Bible talks about good works were, were prepared in advance for us to do. And I mm -hmm. think that's fantastic. But nobody was created to do everything. And I think in our society, we just get so geeked up around doing, we forget about being. And then if there are young people, or like in Kathy and, and in my case, older people, the elders that need us, 
we almost perceive them to be add-ons or bothers. Ooh. And like, yeah, you know, the, yeah, the kids, oh, they're cute. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, yeah, yeah, I got important things to do. Well, no, you, you've been given an important thing to do. If God's blessed you with a child, whether that's biological, foster, adopted, it makes no difference. If you have been given the honor of becoming the leader mentor for a child, then that is your priority. And we learned this years ago, you know, before our ministry about parenting and fatherhood began, um, I was, you and I were carbon copies of one another. I'm, I'm tearing around the world. I'm on airplanes. I'm fixing everybody's stuff. Kids keep showing up at my house. We finally figured out how that works, but we ended up with four kids and I'm just a busy guy. And, you know, thankfully, you know, through this thick skull, it was finally like, wait a minute, there's always going to be business to be done, money to be made, contracts to be signed, blah, blah, blah. But as a, as a mentor, a father, a mother, a foster mom, a foster dad, etc., you've been given about 18 years to lay a foundation upon which a young person will build for half a century. So we've got to take this time and impart. That's why I write books like Mentoring Moments, because there are just certain things that young people, if they know these things, they will be successful. At least they'll have a much better chance of success than the rest of us did as we were stumbling around, kind of sink or swim and, you know, pass or fail. So this is prime time to redefine. And I, I expect everybody to, to take some time right now and just go, you know what, is the next promotion worth um, a diminished relationship with my spouse, mm. with my children? Is there something else that's inside of me? Because I, I get, you know, like everybody else, you get 80, 90 years, you want 100, take 100, but you don't get 200 to do the things here on earth. There are people right now that, that uh, are watching and they should be writing books because it's in there. They should be doing things with art and crafts and they should be launching organizations and ministries and whatever. And uh, just fear and that routine that they couldn't get out of that, that rat race has prevented it. But now is the perfect time to reprioritize Take a look at where do I typically spend my time, my thoughts, and my money, and that'll tell you what your priorities were, and then get your pen and your paper and rewrite them, and whatever that tells you to do, do that, mm. and you'll have a brand new life coming out of this crisis. The crisis could end up being your best time of your life. Oh, man, that is so good. You know, you you touched on for a second mentoring moments. Got it right here. Uh, I think I have, I, I really don't know. I think I have all your books. Um, I hope I have all your books. Uh, and every, gosh, I can think of so many that you've written that have been so incredibly influential for me. The first one that I found 20 years ago, uh, now called Win, 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 was absolutely life-changing for me. And, uh, and, you know, I've told you this story, but for the benefit of people who don't know it, that, you know, I, I found it in Barnes & Noble one Sunday afternoon, read it from cover to cover, couldn't put it down, and the very next day, I went up on this new thing called the internet. <laughs> it was dial-up, so you know, you had to be patient. I almost had to get my roots colored while I'm waiting for it to dial up. And you know, and so I thought, I'm gonna find this guy, Brian Molitor, and I'm just gonna send him a note and let him know that he changed my life. And then I was so so flipped out excited when when you responded and uh and that launched a 20-year friendship just the fact that i was able to find you and say man you changed my life 
And then um, it was a few years after that that I read your book, A Boy's Passage, uh, A Man's Duty. And my daughter was about to turn, let's see, was she going to turn, I think she was going to turn 21 at that point. Maybe it was 18. Might have been 18. And I remember coming to you and saying, where's the girl's book, Brian? And you hadn't written it yet then. Um, but, but I sort of went by the boy's book and I made my own modifications and I wound up writing letters to, oh my word, I'm politicians and celebrities and professional athletes and all these different people and asking them for advice. What advice would they give to a young girl, uh, turning 18 and the responses that I received because of that just still, I mean, I have... I had a, a personal letter from Dick Cheney. I had um, letters from uh, members of the Lakers, and that was during the three-peat. You know, it was a very big deal. But like handwritten notes from guys like Rick Fox. I had a letter from Sylvester Stallone. I had letters from, from uh, the Judds. Um, I mean, I could get a letter from the Vatican. I mean, on and on and on. And so those, those things that I gave my daughter for her birthday, um, they, they touched her so much. The advice that all these people gave uh, was just so incredible. None of that would have happened if I hadn't read that book of yours. And I could go on and on and on about all, you know, the books that you've written that I've read and, and how, um, how much they've touched my life and and I don't want to dominate the whole conversation with that, but I'm saying all that to say that I want everybody to hear that um, there's such a wealth of wisdom in in the books that you've written, the, the television shows that you've produced. So, so before we go any further, I want you to tell everybody, and I want to write it down so I can put it in the comments of this live stream, where can they get your books? Um, well, they can, they can go on our website and they can find most of them. All right. And, uh, the best website for that is, uh, malachiglobal.org. Okay. Okay. M-A-L-A-C-H-I global.org. And that's kind of our ministry website, but it's got a store there. And so, you know, the, the, the books on raising boys, raising girls, uh, all of that stuff is, is there along with there's audio CDs and this, the videos and, and all of that stuff is there. Um, of course, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, uh, the new book, uh, there's a, a, our publisher is called him H I M uh, publications. So they could reach out there as well. So lots of different places to, uh, to get these things. And we have a pop-up on the website. So when they first go on, on the Malachi global website, there's a link that will take them over to the hymn publications. Okay. All right. That's awesome. That we had um, currently um, for the new book, Mentoring Moments. But uh, you can, if you check that website out, it'll take you over to be able to purchase that book as well. Okay. Okay. And I do want us to get back to that, you know, the whole notion of redefining our purpose. But I see that we have a question here on the live stream from my friend Lee Esau, she's in Nebraska, and Lee is a former foster kid turned foster and adoptive parent, and she's the founder and CEO of the Foster Haven and Foster Care Closet. And she says, how would you encourage someone who wants to start a routine but feels like it's almost silly knowing that this will all eventually come to an end? So what do you say to Lee? Well, I would say we don't exactly know when something ends. We, we, we don't know. I mean, there's conjecture, two weeks, a month, nine days, who knows? We, we really don't know. And I think we're supposed to live out our, our lives day by day. Um, we're to seize the day, you know, carpe diem. I, my uh, saying is a little different. It's carpe momentum, seize the moment. Ooh. So... You know, you're you're one you're one phone call away from a miracle. You know, she's she's one email away from a miracle. We don't know what's going to happen. So so the new routine doesn't have to be a, a massive change, 
the most important part of this thing is that there is a sense of purpose a sense of destiny that today is a day that I will not lay around. I will not waste it because I can never get a day back. And so I will take great care of myself. I will do my grooming. I will dress in real clothes. I will set some goals today. And if I'm responsible for other people, I will make sure that they have everything that they can possibly have within my power, things I can control so that the day is as good as the day could possibly be. Mm. And if I'm tired, I will rest. If I'm not tired, I will find something my grooming I'll do. And life can be good. Indeed. Absolutely. Well, so let's go back for a second to the, you know, just, you know, how, how can we, how, how can somebody make this um, a time when they really sort of reevaluate? their life what what's i'm kathy i'm curious to know too what do you think about that well um one of the things i was going to say is um if i think routine is also important even if it's going to last for a month and then you go back to what was if you have children in in your home i think they respond so much better if there is a sense of routine Mm-hmm. And, and you're the one that's going to make that happen. And I believe that each day starts with um, checking the atmosphere is what I like to say. And, and, and I don't mean outside. Is it dreary like it is in Michigan or is it cold? Is it warm? Um, but, but what is the atmosphere in your home? What are you feeling today? Are you fearful? Are you worried? Are you concerned? Or are you going to create a sense of, of well-being in your home for each day that you get up, if you have children under your care, because they're going to pick up from you. They sense that. So if you're walking around resentful, angry, fearful, they're going to respond in like. Mm. But if you have a sense of calm and you can express that to them that, hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to have a fun day today. We're going to do a little work around here today. But Um, I've got a craft that we're going to work on. We're going to go on the internet and we're going to learn about whatever their interests are. If they're, if they like music, um, we're going to go and we're going to learn about, um, some instruments in an orchestra or, or if they like art, we're going to, there's so much now that, that we have still available to us. Most people do have the ability to get online, um, to go to YouTube or Google something and learn something new, but. I, I think routine is very, very important so that kids can kind of know what to expect throughout the day. Otherwise, I think it's uh, there's some defaults that can happen. And one of them is they wind up in front of the television watching hour by hour shows or they're on their video games. And so establishing a daily sense of routine where there's time for some chores Maybe there's time for flashcards if they're doing, if they're younger and they're doing their additions or multiplications, five minutes, 10 minutes worth, um, a time to read, either read to your little ones or, um, or have your kids read whatever books they would like to do, doing a puzzle together, playing hide and seek, having a time of exercise. And, and to me, what would be fun as a mom would be to just dance. Put on some music. There you go. You know, get that get that playful part of you that may have been lost in the past with the busyness of life. Um, do establish things that they can count on that will be fun. Um, if if they like to cook, um, in, incorporate that. And you can do math. You know, quarter teaspoon is. You know, just ask them. Make it a fun thing. Um, while you're cooking with them or baking with them. And so you just got to kind of create, just be creative and think of things that you can do with your children throughout the day so that um, it becomes a real positive thing. And so your perspective is either um, I'm stuck with these kids for the next month (laughs) or the flip side is, is how precious I get a whole month with my children where I can impart to them things that I haven't had time to do in the past 
and I've got a whole month that I can that I can do these things. And it can be a time where they look back someday, 10, 20 years from now and say, hey, remember when we were all stuck in the house together? But remember, mom, how much fun we made? You made tents with our chairs and with an old sheet. And you know, you know what I'm saying? I do. And I love it. I can see the I can see the sheet over your dining room table right now and you yeah. underneath it. Yes. <laughs> with kids yes oh, I yeah. see it I can totally see it I have a I, I was looking online I had my 11 year old grandson with me for a week and and we um let's see so we went to uh we went to Greece with an online virtual tour and we went to the San Diego Zoo with an online virtual tour and they have live cams you know of the animals uh -huh. and and uh, and let's see, um, we looked at maybe going to Egypt, and then we thought we would do, um, I never could really figure out how to do the NASA one, um, but, there, but there are some great online things that are available, not the least of which is online free um, salsa dancing. Oh. So I actually think, I saw something on Facebook this morning where this whole family gathered around uh, the camera and the dad was playing the piano and the family was doing the Tyler Perry challenge. So they were singing, he's got the whole world in his hand. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And, uh -huh. and each member of the family was singing a verse and then they all sang together. And I thought, oh my word, I mean, how much fun to do something with kids. Like if it's a dance routine or it's learning a, a country western line dance or salsa dance or something and like and you don't have to be good like actually the worse you are the funnier it is and then record it right and then show it at their wedding reception years from now. <laughs> I mean I have a little you know twisted streak in me but I was thinking you're right I mean we could be making these super duper fun memories that everybody laughs about forever and uh, and I think we should be doing that. So, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. We only have 10 more minutes left and there's so much to talk about. Um, Brian, I would love for you to talk about in mentoring moments. Here, uh, I'm thinking about families where the grandparents actually can see <laughs> the grandkids. Maybe they live together um, in a multi-generational uh, family or the aunts or uncles or whatever, but where there's some extended family that actually can um, be with the young people within their influence, what, what advice can you give them from here or from any of your other awesome books about how they can use this time um, in some cases to maybe even change the trajectory of the child's future. My, my head is with, um, you know, maybe um, teenagers who, you know, are, are um, kind of, you know, not, not, they weren't behaving well prior to this, you know, uh, and, uh, or kids who are going through something. Uh, before this and then this adds the anxiety to it and we know that with fear and anxiety a lot of times people just don't behave their best especially um, young people who don't have maybe even the cognitive ability to process it the the perspective and maturity to process it so give us some tips yeah that's great um in in some of the earlier books that we wrote the boys passage man's journey the girls passage father's duty that kathy and i wrote together there is really, there are really three things that we believe every young person needs uh, in order to you know, have the best shot at life. And at first we call lifelong mentoring, and that's where this book came from, which we'll talk about in a second. But they need um, trusted, loving elders, be they natural parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, foster, it doesn't matter. It's somebody that's older, wiser, more insight, to teach them about life and life, life and life skills. You know, there's a thousand things to learn, but you have to start somewhere. And I think what we've often done as parents, foster parents, et cetera, we said, well, you know, the church will teach them this stuff and the school will teach them that stuff. And I just got to keep them fed and, and keep a sweatshirt on them. <laughs> Wrong answer. 
So, so we, we are the ones that are primarily responsible for preparing the young uh, people in the next generation for life, giving them those life skills and so on. So lifelong mentoring is, is one of the things. Number two, I call it intentional blessing. We have been given amazing tools to bless young people. Our hands, our fingers were not made to hurt them. They were made to heal them and give them a sense of strength and well-being. Our words were not meant to break them down, but to build them up. So we have appropriate touch, encouraging words, and then prayer. We can bless them with all three of these things. The third key is a rite of passage that can take place in the early teen years, in the 20s, and sometimes even later on. It's really not a rite of passage into adulthood. It's an affirmation of that they've already made that transition. And so those are things that we write about in the other books. And what would happen is I would do a, a TV show on those subjects or I'd do a, a conference or whatever, and people would come up and go, I want to mentor my children, but I'm not really sure how to do that. And so what we did is we sat down and we came up with 52 different life lessons, everything from manners, how do you treat your elders? Uh, boys are different than girls. Everybody has a name, 52 different things. Put them in that little book there. And, and each lesson, each of the 52 lessons, has it starts with a quote from a famous person could be gandhi it could be uh, eleanor roosevelt mark twain somebody just kind of an interesting thing to help young people expand their world view then there's about a page and a half of a lesson upon about one of those um, different 52 subjects and at the end are five questions the first question, and this is meant for an adult to sit with a young person, 10 and up, um, and just read down through that and then ask them the questions and have a discussion. The first question will always be about the quote. So, you know, Mark Twain, his quote was, the only person that enjoys change is a baby with a wet diaper. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so talk with the young person. Well, what do you think that means? And do you enjoy change in your life and so on? So it opens up this discussion where the adult doesn't have to think up all these lessons. They're right there in front of them. And then there's several other questions about this short teaching that I wrote. And then the last one after each lesson is, is one Bible verse that just has chapter and verse. It doesn't have, it doesn't have the, the quote. And if the, if the adult wants to, they could have a Bible there and then the young person could look up, find it in the Bible and then just read it. And again, a short discussion there. So teaching that there is a source of truth there in the scriptures that the young person can go to for wisdom. And we set it up so you could do all of that good one lesson in an hour. So if you spent one hour a week, of course, in lockdown, you could probably do a whole lot more of them <laughs> and, uh, and just talk it through with a young person. And over time, I believe it's like just, just pouring paint on this bare wood of a young person's soul and their mind to where they're going to learn so much and they literally will go way beyond their peers you know, as this thing moves forward. I did a funny thing with this. I, I, I live out in the woods here. I live out in the country and my neighbors are great people. They've got three boys from about 17 down to like 11. And what I did is I took over three books and I gave them to the, to the boys as, as presents. And I said, here's the deal. You got to work with your dad and your mom and they have to sign off that you've been through each of these lessons. And when you're done with all of them, I'll give you a dollar a lesson, all right? And so little did I know when I did that that they were going to have this, this lockdown thing. So that's going to cost me pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> a bigger chunk all at once than you had planned. That's right. <clears throat> you know what I love about this, Brian, is that um, I suspect that there are people who have young people in their lives who they love but who feels so incredibly disconnected as a result of, you know, just the generational differences. 
I know from spending a week with my 11-year-old grandson, and I love him and we get along great, but you know, they're, they're, you know, like he'll mention an app, Grandma, you need Twitch. What's Twitch? You know, I mean, for me, Twitch is like this. So I, you know, like, I don't even know what he's talking about half the time. And I'm trying, I'm trying to learn. But I suspect that there are people who feel kind of this disconnect. Like, okay, well, I can sit in the room with the kid, but then what am I going to do? Like, you know, after the general, so how are you doing in school? Fine. And then they're done. You know, then they got nothing else. So what's so cool about this to me is that it's like having a guided conversation, that it's this great place to just start. And so it doesn't have to be awkward and it doesn't have to be, you know, where the person tries to, you know, come up with something like, how am I going to find some place in common with this kid? I don't even know. No, you don't have to do any of that. You just have to get the book. And look, it's a little book. It's not this big overwhelming thing. And um, I don't don't think you have to, you know, have a degree in, in uh, you know, family therapy to be able to just pick it up and, and just start. So I love it. I love that you took the time and sat down with, with all the stuff that you do, uh, you know, to give us this great tool. So thank you. So in the last couple minutes here, talk about TV for dads. I, I, I would love for every man who ever sees the, the video or is, is watching now um, to look at TV for dads. So tell them, first of all, where can they find it and what's it all about? TV for dads, and it's, and it's literally TV and then the number four and then dads. So TV for dads. Um, it's a it's a program it's a television series that has aired in about 170 countries which is pretty crazy um we just finished our fifth season i, I was over in australia uh, last august and we filmed over there um surrounded by crocodiles we had poisonous snakes coming into our campfire area um it was wild I mean, it was wild. Brush fires. I crashed oh. a motorcycle in the bush. I tore my hamstring. And all this is on film, right? Oh, so, my. Yeah, see, I these are things that I don't tell my wife until I'm home and she knows that I'm in one piece. <laughs> uh, but we've got, we've, we've got uh, five seasons done. So what we've done is, is I wanted to do a video series so that guys that maybe they they might not be church guys, you know, they might be a little rough around the edges like I am, could give them something that would be exciting, adventurous, fun, and show how dads, whether they be natural dads, foster dads, whatever, can connect with the next generation, mm. sons and daughters. And so, man, we went to Montana one time. We went to Northern Michigan. Uh, one season, season number three is filmed in Alaska and there's bears and big salmon we caught and all that stuff. And there's always teachings in there. So it's not just an outdoor show, but there, there are solid teachings about virtues for men and fathers and kids and all this stuff. So if they go on that website, that uh, Malachi Global website, um, we've got a number of the series that are already up there so they can find them there. And the other thing that we've been doing because because the world is kind of shut down is um, I had my son Chris create a YouTube channel for us, uh, TV for Dads uh, YouTube channel, and we've got season one up there. We're going to put season two up there. So and it's just for free. I mean, it's just people can just go and enjoy. And so if they just want to watch and, and have something to do with their family, uh, these are not risque at all. They're exciting and they're fun and funny, but. Uh, I think they'd enjoy it. So if they go on uh, YouTube, they can just see uh, season one and very soon we'll have season two up there uh, just for their enjoyment. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I put that in the comments for the live stream so everybody can find that. So doggone it, we're out of time. I can't believe a whole hour has passed. I feel like I could just talk to you guys for hours and I'm so grateful for you taking this time. And uh, I love your ministry. Uh, to kids and families and everybody uh, within your influence. So thank you both for joining me. 
Thank you for having us. It's been it's been fun. Our All right. pleasure. We love you, Rhonda. Oh, I love you guys too. I'm looking forward to the next time. Very good. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I hope that you'll subscribe. I hope you'll share with others and and just come alongside of us in helping people to live, love, survive, and thrive. See you next time.